This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. Let's catch up with former Mayor of Christchurch, Gary Moore, CNZM, who was Mayor for nine years in today's chat with Gary Moore, we cover much of Gary's opinions of government and local government administrative problems and solutions regarding three waters and other minor issues. Now again, folks, continuing with uh, Gary Moore from Christchurch, learning more about our water and three waters has become five waters and we better get up to the speed with what's happening lately too, Gary. Right. Okay, Neville, well, as I finished off last week, I said um, that our, um, uh, we're missing the Ministry of Works, and I know yeah. they were often called the Ministry of Jerks, and that was just <laughs> that was uh, a common um, mis- misnomer. Ministry of Works had people who understood the national systems, and what we're dealing with with, with water is it's an infrastructural issue and it's a national issue. So, in fact, the government attempting, they've, they've gone about it the wrong way, but, but, they've, but they're not wrong about us having uh, good infrastructure in New Zealand. But what we don't have, I think the Department of Internal Affairs would be the last buggers I'd give the, the, the planning mechanism to, and I would certainly not give it to Treasury. They've both got a role, but the, the Ministry of Works had fine engineers who actually understood systems, because that's what we're talking about, water systems. And the Ministry of Works were, were, were broken up uh, by the Labor government in the 1980s. And we lost a whole lot of A, really good quality people, and B, a whole lot of really good quality national data. And the data is currently now more and more in the hands of consultants. So, you know... um, I've, I've had consultants sit in front of me and say, well, what do you want me to say? And I, I just don't respect people like that. I want, uh, you know, when you're in a public office, you need good, measured advice and data that enables you to make a good, measured decision. Yeah, I've heard this question asked before about economists, and there's a, a lot of, Economists with <laughs> different backgrounds with different outcomes. So you're on the ball there, Gary. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I, I'm very critical of most economists um, because they're so formulaic. And um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I referred last week to um, Standard and Poor's. Just after I became mayor, I. Um, we received a letter from Standard & Poor's saying we're looking at re- um, reducing your credit rating. And, and we, we thought, why the hell's that? And I would say 99% probability. I could be wrong. There's a 1% error there, um, room for it rather. Um, 
I was a Labour mayor, and they thought, yeah, Labour, they'll waste money and all that. Well, I'm socially liberal, and I'm dry as rocking horse manure when it comes to, to money, because I'm an accountant. So three of us accountants flew to Melbourne, and we we um, sat in front of two young men that, if they were shaving, they'd only just started. And and they were the most formulaic people I've ever met. And they said, well, a, um, a lines company in South America failed, and they gave an example. We said, are you aware of the the requirements of lines company in New Zealand, you know, the reporting mechanisms and so forth? And they went, no. And so anyway, we sort of quietly blew their noses and and, and um, um, stuffed them in a box, and, and we came home. And um, the next week they came back and said, oh, no, 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 your credit ratings stayed the same. Uh, and three months later they um, raised our credit rating. Now, that's where a lot of economists are so formulaic and some of them make sense, some of them speak, you know, they do very good analysis. Um, Bernard Hickey is um, a journalist um, who produces the Kaka um, um, daily news sheet, and he's fantastic. Um, but most of them I wouldn't, I wouldn't give you time for. Gary, uh, one of the problems I've heard with here with uh, afternoon drive show, uh, no other media has seemed to be taking up their, our problems here, and uh, Hosking does a good job in the mornings. What do you make of it? Um, well, first of all, I don't like Hosking, but carry on. Um, I, um, um, I think the issue, as, as I tried to explain to you last week, um, it's hell of a complicated. Yeah. And, and I think we've got, the media in New Zealand is, across the world, has been garroted by Facebook of, you know, the, the way they paid for journalists was through advertising and they've lost their advertising. And, um, and so they can't afford the journalists and so, um, the in-depth sort of this is this is a specialist area of a, the crossover between government, central government, and local government. Now the relationship, the bonds between central and local government are currently broken, and um, I think that um, and the Naya Mahuta, in my opinion, hasn't helped that, um, and and. I'm I'm not against everything she says because in fact you know like I want to see Manafina involved greater involvement in local decision making, um, but I think that we've got a um, a country where we've we're now um, how to put it where people have got into entrenched places instead of continuing to talk. Um, the vested interests are driving government departments in a way that is unacceptable. I think there is a 
vast move by this government to centralise, and I'm dead against that. Um, some things have to be centralised. That's what I'm saying, for instance, about the Ministry of Works. If you've got an organisation that understands the overall, and then it's given to the local to empower it as part of the whole, that's excellent. But in fact, what we've got with Three Waters is a commercial model, and it's so complicated that the, that the journalists haven't got the time to analyse it, and there are very few of them doing it. Yeah, because I even find I'm, for myself I've got to do my own reading, writing, typing and everything that takes one heck of a lot of time. I'm a retired cocky and I'm getting slow as I get older, mate. <laughs> oh, I know the scene well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was just listening this morning. Would this government be, would it be fair to say, they're being run by a cabal? Because we've heard a lot of utterances by ministers. Uh, Megan Woods was one, and even uh, the Prime Minister was very uncertain about what is taking place. Yes, it's in the last week that um, the complexity, which is not understood by a big portion of the population, the complexities come back to bite the government in the ass, and um, uh, the Prime Minister stumbled on Monday. Um, Megan Woods, the Minister of Energy, stumbled last week. Um, the Deputy Prime Minister stumbled because the Select Committee's modifications to the bill were um, complex, complicated, and actually didn't make a lot of sense and 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 the other thing too is that they ignored any alternatives or if they did consider them they certainly didn't it didn't manif it didn't reflect in, in their report what they've added which surprised everybody which is why it's now been called five waters they've added geothermal and they've also added water out to the coast and the ramifications of that are immense. And the Prime Minister announced in the last few days that she would be... They, they would... It wasn't going into urgency um, at this stage, so they're ramming the whole through at the moment, but that it would be, it would be done um, before Christmas. And so they'll get their bill through, but the interesting thing, Neville, is that actually they haven't got, so that's set up focusing on the structure, but the financing of this structure hasn't, isn't up in a bill yet. And so there's big gaps, and, you know, they're talking about the whole organisation's being um, uh, up by 2024. But what's happening at the moment is government, central government, are coming around to local government and they are picking engineers off and offering them 30% more than they're earning as, uh, in some places, 30% more than they're actually earning um, at local government. And... Um, 
and they they've even advertised the chief executive's position for the four entities, and they don't exist yet legally. Yes. So it's it's a dog's breakfast. You're a finance guru, I would say, because you would have come across a lot of problems in your career. How do you get that message out to rank and file that this is going to cost New Zealand and we've got to pay it back? Well, it's not going to cost New Zealand. It's costing us a fortune right now. We've got every snout in the trough. You look at, you look at, um, you look at health restructuring, which is like I, I've got a number of members of my family uh, involved in the health health business. Um, a wife and, and two kids are all nurses and doctors and things like that through the family. Oh yeah. And and who's earning the money right now? A private sector accounting firm, which had um, oh I forget how many hundred junior staff charging $2,000 a day, working for months on the vaccination process, where the district health boards had the, um, all the skills to do it in the first place. But because the government's wedded to centralisation, that's where it went. The same thing will happen within, within, um, uh, within Three Waters. And I'll give you an example. Remember when Max Bradford stood on his buddy white horse and said um, um, we will we will get um, efficiency out of and from energy and your power bills will go down remember that yeah now now Christchurch City Council was an unusual one we didn't sell our assets we kept them and we we're much too parsimonious for that and we used to have an MED Municipal Electricity Department. Most councils, I think, if not all councils, had one. And they ran the power system. So they ran the lines, they ran the <coughs> customers, they ran the whole nine yards. Well, they got separated. So we had to decide, did we want a lines company or did we want the customers? So we had to, we decided that the natural monopoly, we felt the public, Investment should be kept, and you know, um, monopolies should be within public investment. Um, and so, so we kept the lines company. We sold our customers to another company and got 170 million for that. Um, and but the old manager of the MED was paid about 40, um, uh, 80 percent, I think. It was sort of four fifths of the of the um, CEO's uh, um, town clerk's salary about that. Um, So our current town clerk is paid, I didn't say worth, paid uh, over 500,000. So that would mean that the the lines company director would be, chief executive would be earning about 400,000. The lines company... In this area, chief executive earned a million dollars the previous year. Now, or was paid a million dollars rather. That's what's going to happen with Three Waters. So where the, the constraint of wages within a broader organisation 
is, you know, with, with, um, engineers running through waters, um, is held down. The moment they get into these new organisations, these boards will pay a bloody fortune. And, and we, and we will pay for that in our water charges, which will hit every farm, every business, every householder. What's your chances of being flogged off to an overseas country because we can't meet our debt? Um, quite high. Um, I'd say, and, and this is, this is something that where the government has said that privatisation could only occur, they tried to get something through that 75% of it would be, um, uh, would, it would have to be approved by 75% of Parliament. And I thought that was a good protection. Um, and the National Party and ACT refused to agree to that. Now, in my opinion, the Nats and ACT were dumb on that one because that was a protection. Now, they're saying, oh, we don't, we don't believe the system. We're, we're going to over, over, you know, get rid of, yeah. um, three waters. Um, but that, that then leaves empty the que- or the answer to what would you put in its place? Because we need to do, we need to focus on Something's got to be done because there's councils obviously not understanding and not doing it, aren't they? Are they? Some, some, yeah. some. Uh, and, 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 and a lot are doing it very well. Like I, I, I was talking to somebody who's um, in a powerful position at um, Hastings District Council, and he said, look, the numbers that are um, being bandied around by um, uh, this proposed restructure for Hastings, he said, we don't need that much, and we couldn't spend that much, and we... We've actually got our system into tip-top order, and it's not required anything like what these estimates are produced by these consultants. So it, it is it is important that we have change. I have actually written to the National Party, and as a lifetime Labour voter, this stuck in my craw a bit, but anyway, I've done it because I believe in greater good. Um, I've written to the National Party water spokesman and said I'd like to work with you to get your policy right because I think that's really important So when it comes to administration Gary does it look and it looks to me as though the administration will cost more than the actual maintenance of or maintenance and upgrading of the required structure that's there I don't know that, but I do know that the administration automatically will become more expensive. And um, uh, I'm nervous about some of the standards that are, will be... There's a, there's a standards authority now, and no. um, that's something that I... Uh, I'm very nervous about. I could see it becoming highly academic, and this academia dominating the decisions, you know, the, the systems that are required to be in place. Um, 
So I, I'm nervous about that. I just I don't believe the um, I don't believe the numbers of that are required for what the infrastructure upgrade would cost. And I don't think anybody does. But there are some structures that uh, they, they developed a very good system down here in Christchurch after the earthquakes where um, they got a collaborative system between the council and a number of contractors where they worked together to actually get the best outcome. And that was terrific. And there's a, there's a, a friend of mine, Rod Cameron, who was involved in that, has been trying to promote that sort of model for New Zealand to address um, infrastructure upgrades and also um, potential, look, when the main divide goes in the South Island, if we don't have our systems in place of how to manage it, it'll be a disaster. And we had... Uh, in Christchurch, we learnt the hard way about central government departments coming in and telling a city how it should be run. And and you've got to be very, very careful with that. I, I was on, at the time of the earthquake, I was on New Zealand Transport Agency, which is now called Waka Kotahi. Oh, I, was, I was deputy chair of it. And we were told by Treasury that... Uh, they didn't need to spend as much money as we need, as was needed, because 30% of our population would disappear. And I said, "What do you mean?" And they went, "Well, that's what we know." And I said, well, "Where do you get your no-no from?" And um, he, they said, um, "New Orleans." And I said, "Have you looked at the makeup of the population of New Orleans versus Christchurch?" I said, "We're tribal as hell down here." I said, people will move around, and they have. They've gone to Selwyn and Waimakariri, uh, but they've moved around the city as well. But the population as a whole is growing. And that's the sort of stuff that you've got to be really careful of when you put it in the hands of bureaucrats for whom there is not enough local accountability. Ah, yes. <laughs> like people that advise farmers that haven't sort of uh, been through the ropes themselves and know what they're actually dealing with. Gary, we're just about out of time, but you mentioned Wakakota here, and I saw somewhere that you had a comment or two about roads and speed limits. Would you like to finish yep. off with that, please? Right. Because I've been a speed merchant all my life. Um, I, I grew up in a... My father was a motor mechanic for 55 years. I've got oil running through my veins. And, um, and like, if I said to you, I, to my family, rather, I, I've just driven from X to Y, they'd go, what time did you do it? And, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's been my whole life, um, far, driving fast. I was on the board of Whale Watch for 18 years. I chaired that for 18 years. And, and, um, uh, I used to have to drive from Christchurch to Kaikoura, um, um, every six weeks. And they dropped the speed limit around the Kaikoura coast from 100k to 80, which annoyed me hugely. And, um, uh, because I used to sort of, you know, look for the apex of the corner and go as fast as I could. And um, and then, so finally I decided to comply because they had speed cameras everywhere. And um, 
I then realised that the coastline was quite beautiful and um, and the scenery was terrific. And and I slowed even slower than 80 just to sort of soak it all in. And uh, I drive vintage motor cars. So I, I, um, I've, I've got to the point where actually speed isn't of the essence. Maybe it's my age as well. Speed is not necessarily of the essence. But... Um, Maybe we need to look at slowing down as a country to make the roads safer. And also, when I drive my old car at 80 versus 100, I use a whole lot less petrol. And I also probably emit, I don't know whether I emit fewer, less CO2 because I'm not, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm not, I'm an accountant, not a, a scientist. But I just thought, nah, let's have a look at it. So we're, our Tuesday club's going to be considering that in a few weeks' time. Well, that's very interesting because my thoughts on some of the road stuff, when I went to school, we used to have uh, a member from the AA come out and tell us what side of the road to walk on, how to use pedestrian crossings, look both ways, and... Above all, be careful on the road. But I drive down the main street of Har, and people are likely to walk out in front of you. They don't, look, know. they don't I care. Know. And I just sort of think maybe we should get back to those days, Gary. Yes, or take those earplugs out of people's ears so they can actually relate to uh, who they're walking past and say hello. And uh, and notice when a car's coming down the road. <laughs> well, they might have a problem with the, the number of electric vehicles that are quietly driving around nowadays. And I think of the uh, blind and the people that are of not good hearing. It's going to be a bit of a problem. Well, we've got a blind neighbour and she's got a real problem with it. So, But don't get me on electric vehicles because I'm not convinced about them. I think they, <laughs> the... Uh, Nobody's looking at the raw materials for those those vehicles. I think we ended up with petrol engines because oil was cheap, and the and the uh, private companies that were producing the cars—that's the line they went—and then all now talking about uh, batteries. And I'm thinking maybe our investment should be in public transport. So we we all have good. Alternatives. I know it's much harder for farmers, but, but I just think in a city I should have access to something. I, I ride a bike everywhere, but um, access to public transport that's either free or very low cost to stop me using my car. There you go. There's well, a good finish for you. Thank you, Gary Moore. That was very interesting and informative. Go well, my friend, and a Merry Christmas to you and Mrs. Moore. Thank you, Neville. Next week, folks, I have Jim Hopkins, author and playwright. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.